Welcome to Calvary Life DFW's weekly podcast. We hope this podcast encourages you, challenges you, and furthers your relationship with God in a whole new way. Enjoy this week's message. Thank you for the announcements. Don't they do a great job? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Well, um, I am not Pastor Gwynmar. I know we look alike, but <clears throat> <clears throat> but I am not him. We um, probably most of you have heard, but maybe some of you have not. He learned last Sunday that his brother, whom he had just mentioned in the morning sermon, had passed away. So um, he is in Connecticut um, with the family. <clears throat> Funeral is on Tuesday. Pastor Yolanda be flying out to meet him, but he's been there since Wednesday. So obviously we want to keep him in prayer, um, keep the family in prayer. It was totally unexpected. It was not at all anticipated, and so it was a shock to the family, and that's always so challenging. So let's just stop for a moment and pray for Pastor Gwynmar. What do you say? Father, we thank you for the comforter, the Holy Spirit that you send to us to be not only with us, but in us, and to counsel us, and to comfort us, and to strengthen us, Lord. I pray for your strength. Humans can't give the strength that Pastor Grimmar needs right now. It only can come from you, and we ask you, God, to supply it for him, and his dad, and all of the other siblings and family. In the name of Jesus, amen. Praise the Lord. So if you want to turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1, I appreciated Leona leading us to be aware of and conscious of in our worship as uh, we, we stood in the gap in worship for our Ukrainian brothers and sisters, as well as our Russian brothers and sisters. I saw a post from the Foursquare Missions Director, and the, the church in Russia is heartbroken about what's going on. So you can imagine that believers would not at all be in favor of what's happening. The, um, there's, there could be a lot of repercussions from this, obviously. Um, we're going to end up talking about coming into the kingdom of God, and so we'll maybe focus on that a little bit at that point. The, uh, I hope that you have been praying. Um, if not, you can begin now praying. I've actually been praying for weeks and weeks. It's just something, you know, sometimes God just brings something especially strong to your heart, and this has been one of those things. And I have been... Um, well, I won't tell you how I've been praying, but I've been praying with a, with a real degree of urgency and authority. I believe God wants us to exercise authority in, in this, in this um, time, during this season. So we'll talk about that maybe at the, a little bit at the end. So in Colossians chapter 1, and I actually spoke out of this passage a couple years ago, but I didn't, I didn't it's a whole different thought today. So if you're, if you're one of those with like this photographic memory, you think, I remember he preached on that on November the 2nd. <laughs> so, so that, <laughs> so um, the, um, it will be different. So beginning in verse 9, we're going to read through verse 14. For this reason, and of course we need to know what this reason was, and we'll talk about that momentarily. We also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will 
in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. The series that Pastor Goodmore is in right now <clears throat> is Giving God Your Best. And the, the title of the message is The Problem with Darkness. The subtitle would be um, What It Takes to Be Able to Give God Our Best. And that's too lengthy, so I didn't make it as the title, but, but it's what holds us back. What, what keeps us from being able to give God our best? Or, on the other hand, what enables us to give God our best? And we're going to find out that in this passage, it is the knowledge of God that enables us to give God our best. <clears throat> so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, is giving God our best. That's what, that is the essence of giving God our best. And so all around that is how that's going to happen. Did I totally lose you? Now you forgot where we were. I, can, I was pick right back where I was. Increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Another aspect of giving God our best. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Father, I pray that you'd help me to be able to speak what you want me to speak, and I pray that you'd help us to hear what you want us to hear, and that you would work in us the work that you want to accomplish. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So this passage... As, a, as many of the letters of that particular era of time were specifically focused on the need of the church for knowledge, and that knowledge being the knowledge of God. So he begins with saying, I'm praying that you can be filled with the knowledge of His will. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then in the middle of the passage, he kind of has like this little parenthetical statement where he says, I want you to walk worthy. I want you to be fully pleasing. I want you to bear fruit. And then he picks back up again on the theme of knowledge. And he says, increasing in the knowledge. First, I want you to be filled with the knowledge. Secondly, I want you to increase in the knowledge. And then he says that we are we're, we're, um, strengthened with all God's glorious power. And then he, he comes into this section that we're going to need to unpack a little bit before we talk about the whole passage. He says, God has qualified us to be, inherent, to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. And then he says, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. Okay, the word darkness, and this is where I need you to really focus with me, and we're going to do a little bit of grammar <laughs> little bit of word study, but the word, the word of darkness really is, it's the word skatos, which basically means ignorance. He's delivered us from the power of ignorance. So, he, and from that deliverance, he has brought us into the kingdom of the Son. So, for, for the first century believers who were reading this passage, everything that Paul was saying would have made sense to them. But for us, 
I think we could read it and realize that we're delivered from the power of darkness and conveyed into the kingdom of the Son, and, and that in itself is enough to cause us to shout, thank God for it, amen? But they would have understood some things about what Paul was saying here. The word skatos, it's interesting in the, in the ancient Greek literature, darkness was personified. It was kind of given this personification. You know what I mean by that? It's like you take this Bible and then it's personified. Now it's a living book. It, I make it a living thing to, to make a point. And, and darkness was personified. And it was basically presented in, in, the, in the way that it affected humans. And the way it affected humans was it caused them to grope about, to be blinded by the dark to be confused, and they couldn't find their way. And, and this, according to the ancient Greek literature, resulted in a lot of anxiety, the inability to be able to find your way, the, un, the uncertainty about what to do, the confusion about where to go. It all created anxiety. And then the famous author Homer, he surmise that the greatest anxiety, that anxiety ultimately ended up because we were anxious about death. That's interesting. Hebrews says the same thing, that all of our lives were subject to the fear of death. And so, so basically, darkness became to, came to be equated with death. Or it came to be equated in that culture with the, the dark underworld of Hades. And so the Greek, of course, this was actually in Colossae, which is actually in what's Asia Minor, which is today modern Turkey. But all of that, in that, all of that entire world at that time was, was dominated by Greek culture. They were dominated by Rome militarily. They were dominated by Rome politically. But the Greek culture dominated all of that time. And every single person would have understood that backdrop that Paul was painting that it's a picture of Hades. And not only did you have the dark underworld, but the dark underworld had made its way here and was tormenting humanity. So he would have, they would have had that picture, darkness personified, darkness uh, coming unto this world, darkness tormenting humanity. Well, and then along with that, the book of Colossians, it's... I feel like it's, I mean, obviously Romans is considered to be the most theologically heavy book in the New Testament, but I think Colossians is right there with it, even though it's just four chapters long. It's an amazing little book. And in this little book, Paul is basically dealing with two things. He's dealing with the ever-present heresy of the Judaizers. If you don't know what that is, I'm going to tell you. I want you to know what that is, because you can't understand a lot of the New Testament if you don't know what that is. Yeah. And what the Judaizers were, they were, gent they were Jewish Christians who believed that they had to make Gentile Christians adopt and become Jewish in order to truly be saved. And it was an ongoing battle for many years until finally it was settled that no Gentiles don't have to become Jews in order to be saved. But at this point, it was still an ongoing battle. 
And you see in chapter 2, when Paul says, we don't have to worry about special feasts and special ways to eat and new moons and festivals. That's what Paul's dealing with. He's dealing with Judaizers. He's saying, no, those, those people, have cut, they had made it their way to Colossae and they were trying to influence the Gentile believers to become Jewish. That's one thing he was dealing with. The other thing he was dealing with, which is what we're going to talk about today, was an early form of Gnosticism. And Gnosticism was, I guess, a religion. I don't know what you would call it, but it was a philosophy that dominated much of the, that world up until all the way through the 100s. And it was very problematic for the church. And, and they, were, they were already at Colossae. We know that because of this passage of Scripture. So are you guys staying with me? Yes. Okay, good. I know, I'm giving you a lot of stuff here. All right, so they, he... He, he's dealing with this, and what, what the Gnostics basically believed, and obviously we could spend an entire semester talking about that, but, but that's what he's basically saying here is, well, what, what they basically were teaching was that humans were in fact created. They were in fact created, but they, they didn't believe in, well, they did believe basically in our God, but he was a lesser God. That's, I'm not going to get off into that. We're created by this huge God, we're out there, perfect, completely separate from the human world, but he created us, and in every human, we, we, every human was given a soul. And in every soul, there was a spark of light. But that spark of light has, was shrouded and darkened by darkness personified. That it was a living force that had had squashed, that had shrouded, that had clouded, that had basically put out that spark of light in every individual. And Gnostics taught that you had to come to this place of enlightenment. And that was, by the way, only a very elite few who ever reached that. And we'll talk about that in a minute as well. But only a very few reached that place of, of enlightenment and that was your key to salvation. And salvation was basically, I forgot to check my watch here. Okay, I'm doing fine. <laughs> so salvation was, was ultimately a release from the prison of your human body. Well, that's totally unchristian because Christianity values the human body. We present our bodies as living sacrifices to God. When you get resurrected, you're going to be resurrected a body. You're not just a soul, but your body is going to be. So, that, so Gnosticism was a very detrimental, very problematic teaching that plagued the church really all the way up for another hundred years. But Paul is addressing it here. And they believe that you had to come to this place of enlightenment. Well, what Paul is basically saying, now we're going to go back and pick up the whole passage, but he's saying all of that's kind of true. Darkness is personified. It's someone called Satan and the demonic realm. And they have, crowd, they have clouded, they have shrouded truth. And we do need truth to be saved. But the truth isn't you coming to your, your own somehow ability to enlighten yourself God himself delivers you out of darkness 
and puts you into the kingdom of the Son. He, okay, so today, new step for me, all right? I have a prop. <laughs> all right, so I have a prop. Yay. So God just, whoops, it does, oh, it does work. Turns on the light, right? <laughs> so now that's my grand, my grand effort at having a prop. Thank you, Zach. <laughs> Thank you, Zach and Joaquin and Eric for working hard to make that happen. <laughs> but God just turns on the light. And he does it through the blood of Christ and redeems us from sin and turns on the light. And he, you don't come to this place of enlightenment, of delivering yourself from this dark cloud. God delivers you. He delivers you. And, but he not only delivers you, he brings you into something. We'll talk about that momentarily as well. So all of that hopefully gives us a backdrop to understand this passage of Scripture. Because this passage of Scripture is about knowledge. Now, that means knowing God. It doesn't mean getting A's on an exam. It means knowing God. Knowing Him. Not knowing about Him. Knowing Him, right? Not knowing about Him, but knowing Him. We have to know God to be set free. And so let's go back now and pick it up at the very beginning. For this reason, well, what is this reason? We do need to talk about that for at least a minute. This reason is because they had come to a place of faith in Christ. It's that simple. They had heard the gospel, not by Paul. Paul never, as far as I know, never made it to Colossae. He may have later on, but at this point he had never been there. They had actually been won to Christ through someone else, Epaphras, and, but he now is writing to them. He's heard that they've come to a place of salvation. And he's excited. And he says, for this reason. Okay, that's important. These are people who are saved. Right? They're already saved. But he's praying for them to now be filled with the knowledge of God. Okay, they've gotten saved, but there's more to be had right? They're, they're, they're in Christ, but there's more for them. He's, he said, I'm, I'm excited. I heard you're saved, but I am now praying that you can be filled with the knowledge of his will. His will, I'm just going to mention that briefly. That could be, it could be God's will for where you, who you're going to marry, where you're going to live, what kind of job you're going to do, how you're going to serve in the church. Could be that. And I think that is appropriate, appropriate um, interpretation, application of that. But that's not really what it's talking about. What it's really talking about is God's will in terms of him redeeming humanity. He came to redeem us. He came to set us free from darkness. He came to make us his sons and daughters. He came to baptize us into his body. He came to make us a part of his kingdom, etc. That's the will of God. Amen. And he wants us to be filled with the knowledge of that. He wants us to be filled with that. And so the word filled means to be crammed full. Crammed full. It also means to bring to completion. And what I think is so important about that word is that 
is, is it, these, I mean, who were the Colossians? Colossae was a small town. It wasn't a major city like Ephesus or Philippi, just a small town. Nobody's. Do you know anybody's name in Colossae? Well, you actually do. You know Philemon. <laughs> so there are a couple of people we know their names in Colossae, but mostly we don't know who they were. They were no-name people. They've passed into history now, dead for a thousand, couple thousand years. And yet they were important and God was saying through Paul, I want you, no-name Colossians, to be filled with the knowledge of my will. I want you to be filled. And I think that one of the greatest battles that pastors face, one of the greatest things that we have to deal with, is this ongoing sense of, of and I don't mean this to be um, critical, I mean this to be hopeful and helpful. But we have this sense that, that if, if, you are, if you're a pastor or you're a preacher or you know, maybe someone really special, it's almost like you have this inside track with God. And then so many of us sitting in the pews or chairs, as the case may be, we, we feel like somehow we don't quite get the same benefit. We don't quite have the same access. We don't quite reach to the same level. And that is such a, a, a damnable lie. You can be crammed full of the knowledge of God. Amen? You can be crammed full. Who are we? I mean, history won't remember most of us a hundred years from now. But that doesn't matter. God wants you to be completely filled up with the knowledge of his will. Amen? Amen. Probably could just stop right there, but let's move on. <laughs> and then it, then it comes to this little section. That, what does that produce? That produces you giving God your best. That produces you fully pleasing the Lord. That produces you bearing fruit. That produces you walking worthy when you are filled with the knowledge of his will. That results in something, and it results in you walking worthy, pleasing, bearing fruit. And then he says, but not only do I want you to be filled with the knowledge, it's like, I'm not done yet. I want you to increase in the knowledge. Okay, if I'm filled, how can I increase? Well, I don't know exactly, but I just know that it's possible. We're filled with the knowledge, but it's an ongoing process. Hopefully, you never get to the point that you feel like you have gotten all there is to get. One time, we had a person on our staff, and I'm going to be as vague as I can about this. I don't want anybody to figure out who it is. Nobody really knows them anyhow, but regardless. person on our staff, and I was really emphasizing being in the Word, spending time with God in the Word, meditating the Word, studying the Word, and one of the persons on our staff was seeming confused and said, well, I read the Bible once. <laughs> well, I'll let that sink in. <laughs> I was aghast. 
I was aghast. You read it once? <laughs> I mean, that's not enough. We, there is ongoing knowledge. You can read the Bible through a hundred times, and the hundred and first time you'll see something that you swear wasn't there before. That wasn't there before. Yes, it was. There's just, you never get to the end of learning about God. You never get to the end of knowing God. You never get to the end of mining truth out of this Bible. You never get to the end of it. There's always more. We're always growing in our knowledge. God fills us with the knowledge, kind of like turning that light on. I probably won't do props again, but anyhow, turning that, <laughs> turning that light on. But then it's ongoing. It's unfolding. It's ever increasing. And that's what he's praying for the Colossians. And I believe he's praying that for us. And I mentioned this, I think, sometime not too long ago, that when you read a prayer in the scriptures, put yourself in the prayer. What Paul was praying for them applies to you. I think we might even end the service up that way. I'm not sure how I'm going to end yet. I didn't, couldn't figure out an ending. And then he goes and he says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. He's delivered us from the, and actually I didn't mention this, the word power is exousia, the authority, the control, probably some of your translations say control, the control of darkness. Darkness controls us. It has authority in our life until God delivers us from it. <laughs> he delivers us from it by the blood of Christ. But here's what's really important about this particular section is anytime God delivers us out of something, he also, he has the intention of delivering us into something. I mean, the perfect example, and I'm sure that you all have heard it before, but the perfect example is the people of Israel. God delivered them out of Egypt, and notwithstanding a little 40-year delay, but he, his whole point was to deliver them into the land of promise. So he wants to deliver you out of the control of darkness. He wants you to be set free. He does not want Satan pulling your strings. He wants you set free. But he's not satisfied just to get you free. Now he wants to bring you into something. And what he wants to bring you into is a kingdom. He wants to bring you into a kingdom. A place where we have a king. <laughs> A kingdom is a place where we have a king. We don't need to think about kingdoms in a geographical sense. Is Jesus king over the United States? Is he king over this? Where, where is he king? We need to think about it as the right to rule, the power to rule, 
the authority to rule. Jesus has that. And he, his kingdom is being, it has been one, and is being one. 1 Corinthians 15 says that finally at the end, he will conquer all the enemies, death being the last one, and will turn the kingdoms of this world over to God, the Father. So the kingdom is, and the kingdom is coming. And you are in that kingdom, and you have a king. What is the kingdom like? I don't have time to obviously unpack the kingdom of God today, that would take a lifetime. In fact, I've been studying it for most of my life and still trying to figure it out. But the kingdom of God is where all of God's character, all of his nature, all of his personality, all of his attributes are finding their way into our lives and into and onto the world. Throughout history, there have been groups of people that thought they could somehow bring the kingdom of God into the world through government or through somehow controlling society. That doesn't happen. That's not how it happens. You become a subject of the kingdom. You become a subject of the king. And you start living with the king's blessings and with the king's responsibilities. You have both. We are called into the kingdom for blessing. We receive kingdom privileges. But then also with the kingdom privileges come kingdom responsibilities. We live a certain way. We talk a certain way. We think a certain way. It's the kingdom of God being manifest in your life. God's kingdom, everywhere you go, is where God's kingdom is. You've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness, the control of darkness. You've been brought into the kingdom of the sun. See that? And how does that happen? It happens by knowing God. By knowing. You know him. You know about him, but you know him. Now let's back up again to the very beginning part and let's discover how that happens. How is it that you are filled with the knowledge of God? He says, back up to the beginning, that I ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, the word spiritual, and I've mentioned this before, is really basically a meaningless word. What does that mean? Does it mean unphysical? Does it mean... A ghost? What is spiritual? Every time you read the word spiritual, and especially in Paul's writings, it's usually the word nematikos or some variation of that. And basically what it means is from the spirit. It just means from the spirit. I, 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 the NIV is not my favorite translation, but it gets this right. It says that he will give you the wisdom and knowledge that the Spirit gives. The Holy Spirit gives you this wisdom and knowledge. I love 1 Corinthians 2. It's one of, there's two of my favorite passages, 1 Corinthians 2 and Ephesians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians 2 says that I hasn't seen, 
ear hasn't heard. It doesn't even enter our thinking. All that God has provided for us. When I was young, we used to sing a chorus just with that verse. Well, the problem is the next verse says, but God has revealed them to us by his spirit. We can't, our human minds can't understand it. So this knowledge that he's praying for, the the enlightenment that Gnostics were trying to achieve is impossible humanly. It takes the Holy Spirit opening up our understanding. Ephesians chapter 1, I love that passage. I lived in that passage for several years, actually. But he said, I'm praying for you that you can be filled with the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. He says, the eyes of your understanding, the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened, which literally means flooded with light. The word there is photizo, which basically means, we we can see the word photography coming from that word. And the picture is like, of course not now, we just have all digital, but when they had film, and you'd take it into a dark room, which I don't know anything about, but you take it into a dark room, and, and all the chemicals and the flash of light would imprint that image on that film. And that's what it's saying, that the Holy Spirit would flash on the inside of us with such a burst of light that the the fullness of God, the truth of God, the word of God, the knowledge of God would be imprinted on the inside of us. It's phenomenal. And that's what he says here. I want you to have the wisdom and knowledge that the Spirit gives. Now, what I am not saying, I want to make sure you know what I'm not saying. I am not saying, well, there's no need to study. There's no need to read the Bible. The Holy Spirit's just going to give you all you need. It doesn't work that way. We need to read this Word of God. We need to study the Word of God. We need to meditate on the Word of God. We, we try to offer some classes throughout the year to hopefully help you, you know, just do some teaching. We have a class going right now. Not many are showing up. But, but we want to help people understand. We want to give you as much study resources as we can. You, I think we, there, there's a lot of resources you can get. There, there are online resources you can get. You need to study the Scriptures. You need to read it, number one. You need to study it, number two. Number three, you need to meditate on it. And meditate just means that that it's like a dog chewing on a bone. You're just chewing on the scriptures. You're just, you're pondering it. You're you're thinking about it. You're working on it. But when you, once you, but after you've done all you can do, you've read, you've studied, you've meditated, Ultimately, it takes the Holy Spirit to understand it. You have to have the Holy Spirit begin to show you the truth. 
So how we get the knowledge that he's praying for here is the Holy Spirit has to turn the light on. We call that illumination, the illumination of the Holy Spirit. The revelation, the inspiration of the Spirit was what wrote it. God inspired it by the Spirit. The illumination brings it to life for you. For you. And don't worry if you read it and you, you know, if you read a whole chapter and let's say you only understand two verses. Well, that's two verses. That's two verses from God that you understand. That's pretty amazing. Meditate on that. Chew on that. Let God begin to work it into your soul. Next time through, you might understand three or four or five. But don't, don't get discouraged because there's, you don't understand some of it. Just allow the Holy Spirit to begin to open it up to your heart. So this passage is about knowledge, that we are set free by knowledge, the knowledge of God. We are set free by God turning on the light by the blood of Christ, forgiving us of our sins, cleansing us of unrighteousness, redeeming us from our lostness, and bringing us into his kingdom. Amen? And we live in a kingdom with a king. <laughs> we live in a kingdom with a king. And it's him we love and it's him we serve. Part of the kingdom of God is, I think, has to do with, with understanding. The, well, let me just say this. Let me back up. One of the, a passage of scripture that has dominated my prayer life now for months, at least, I don't know, maybe longer, but for months, is Ephesians 1. It says, God has exalted Christ and seated him at his own right hand, far above all principalities, all powers, all might, all dominion, every name that is named. Jesus is above that. Yeah. Ephesians 2 says he has seated us together with him in those heavenly places. We are seated. What does that mean? Does that mean we're just hanging out, drinking coffee? No, we have a place of authority with Christ. And that, that has transformed how I pray. That Jesus is exalted far above all principalities. He, he is above the principalities of Russia. He's over that. So that's what I've been praying. <laughs> that's what I've been praying. That's, that's a part of what it means to be in the kingdom of God. Not all of it, but part of it. Understanding that Jesus is, and, and it's crazy when you think about it, the, the world doesn't always look like it's under God's control, does it? That's because there is a dark kingdom battling And that war is not over yet. 
It will be over, but it's not over yet. And we are a part of the process to bring that to pass. We're part of the process. So my hope today is, is to awaken in you a desire to be filled with the knowledge of God, to increase in the knowledge of God, and to be delivered from the authority of ignorance and brought into the kingdom of God's Son. And ignorance isn't just a passive sense of being ignorant. It is a, it is a dominating force. It is a living being that brings that darkness of ignorance. And God, want, I want you to be delivered from that. I also want you to understand what it means to be in God's kingdom. And obviously, we haven't been able to unpack that today. But at least to have a sense of it. That you're in the kingdom with the king. And you love him and serve him. Amen? Amen. So let's stand together. And what I want to do is, um, I should have not closed my Bible yet. <clears throat> I've been pondering, how do I want to end this message? And what I really wanted to do, and so I think it's what I'm going to do, is to pray it together, putting ourselves in the prayer. Paul prayed for the Colossians. First of all, I need to say this, and this, maybe I shouldn't say it, but I will say it. I, I, I believe that, I believe that you know, Revelation talks about the prayers of the saints being incense before God. I can't actually prove this is why I'm, I'm afraid to say it, but, but, but I believe, let me just put it that way, it's my belief that the prayers of the saints are ongoing. And the, the, the prayers that my grandmother prayed for my dad years ago were still working. And my dad, who, as I guess most of you know, passed away in November, um, at 84, almost 85 years old, had come to a place of faith in the last two years. <laughs> you know, 82, 83, somewhere around there, Daddy came to a place of faith and is with the Lord. And I believe that Grandma's prayers, she prayed fervently for Dad. <laughs> I believe Grandma's prayers were still working. Now, there are other prayers being prayed, but I believe Grandma's prayers were still going as incense up before God. God, save my son. <laughs> Bring my son to salvation, Lord. Those prayers were still going on. And so I say that to say this. I believe that Paul's prayers for the Colossians are still working. But they can work for you. They can work for me. And we put ourselves in that place. And we say, God, this is what I want. I want what Paul wanted for the Colossians. I want to be filled with the knowledge of your will. With all spiritual, with, now let's, let's phrase it right. How about that? With all wisdom and understanding, the knowledge that the Spirit gives. <laughs> I want to walk worthy. 
of you, Lord. I want to fully please you. I want to bear fruit in every good work. And I want to increase in the knowledge. I want to increase. I want to be strengthened with power that I can stand against the trials of this life. And I want to be set free from the control of, a, of ignorance. And I want to be brought into the kingdom of the Son, redeemed by His blood. I want us to pray that together as a congregation. I'll lead you phrase by phrase. How's that? <laughs> I don't know how else to do it. That's how I want to end. So I'll just say a line. You repeat it after me. Father, I pray the Apostles' Prayer for myself today. I ask that you fill me with wisdom and knowledge that the Spirit gives. I ask that you'll help me to walk worthy. Help me to be fully pleasing to you. Help me to bear fruit in every good work. And God, help me to increase in my knowledge of you. Help me to be strengthened with all your power to be able to stand in the trials of life. Thank you that you have qualified me to partake in the inheritance with all the saints in the light. And thank you that you have delivered me from the authority, from the control of ignorance. And you've brought me into the kingdom of your son. You redeemed me by his blood. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Father, I thank you for the power of your word that transforms us. I thank you that you give us the Holy Spirit who teaches us, who illuminates the word to us, who empowers us for life and ministry. I pray, God, today that what we just prayed, we prayed in faith. There's anybody in this room that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and they just prayed that prayer. I pray, God, that you have worked in their hearts and have brought to them the awareness that they need Jesus as their Savior. For those that have lived with you, for you, for many, many years, God, that they would hunger, thirst, for greater knowledge, greater awareness, deeper walk than they've ever had before. Fill us with the knowledge of your will that the Spirit gives. Increase us in our knowledge. Deliver us 
the authority of darkness. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise you, God. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to Calvary Life DFW's weekly podcast. If what you heard today impacted you, be sure to tell us about it. You can rate and subscribe to this podcast or contact us on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram or our website, calvarylifedfw.com. Thank you so much and have a great week.